Here's what's coming up on today's show. My whole thing is empowering Gen Z to build wealth in real estate because I am 100% privileged to have grown up in a household that taught me that you should create passive income and you need long-term wealth and here's how money works. And so I use that to teach my generation because a lot of people think Gen Z is freaked, right? Screwed for <laughs> the long term, for the long run. real estate agent, you may find it difficult handling the financial side of your professional and personal life. We're here to help. This is Agent Money, how top producers master their business and personal finances with certified financial planner, Jordan Kernut and fractional CFO, Michael Kilner. All right, everybody, we are back with another episode of Agent Money. As usual, I have my co-host, Michael Kilner. Michael, how's it going this morning? It's going great. It's good to see you again, Jordan. Yeah, good, good to see you. Um, although I will say I am a little bit nervous about this interview today. Um, our guest was recently on another very successful podcast, the guys over at BAM. And shortly after she was on that podcast, I, I think she broke it. I mean, they're 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 like done. So hopefully <laughs> that isn't what happens to us. <laughs> um, but no, I'm I'm just kidding. Super excited to have uh, Vena uh, Jerebeck on the podcast today. Good morning, Vena. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah. No, we we're super excited to have you on. Um, if you maybe just want to start out by um, giving our listeners a little bit of your background, how you got into real estate. Yep. So I'm currently 22 years old today. I got into real estate when I was 18. I was thinking about what I wanted to do when I was in high school and not every kid's dream is to be a realtor, but I definitely didn't want to work for somebody else. And so when I was making this decision of, should I go to college or not? You know, most people, it's not even a question. You just go to college, but um, my parents are entrepreneurial. And so they actually kind of planted the seed of, you don't have to go to college you can work in real estate or do whatever you want, start a business, you know, so that you're the employer, not the employee. I grew up listening to all the OGs on mindset and the business like Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, Earl Nightingale, like the cassette tapes in the car, literally um, <laughs> listening to that stuff growing up. So I, long story short, I decided to drop out of college and just get my real estate license. I worked as a realtor full-time for about a year and a half Took me six months to cut my first check, but I was 18 and I did it. I proved awesome. it to myself. I was just, just cold calling sellers, looking for those listings. Between my first check and the end of that year, I did about 14 transactions. So it was like June to December of my first year, 14 transactions, about 100 grand in GCI. And then the next year is when I started diving into wholesaling, off-market, flipping contracts. And it felt a little more lucrative at the time, but I was already cold calling for sellers. And I found out that through wholesaling, you can make you know some decently more money um, for substantially less work. So I started, I shifted my gear toward wholesaling. I tripled my income the next year. I did really well the next year. And then the whole name of the game has always been about eventually buying rental properties so that I can someday mm. retire. I deal in, in my 20s. Like I'm the goal is financial freedom in my 20s. I'm on track to do it by 25, become a millionaire, create passive income, all that good stuff. Um, yeah. I've got one investment property right now. It's a burr that I am house hacking. 
So I bought a fixer. I'm flipping it right now. I'm going to rent the rooms to keep my mortgage payment low. Uh, just did it with a low down payment loan. I'm going to turn around and do it again the next year, et cetera. And then just stacking the rental property is my goal in the next few years. So that is my story in a nutshell. Yeah. So, so awesome. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious, like that shift, like you made, you know, from being like more of a traditional, um, mm-hmm. you know, like sales agent to wholesaling, like sure. what opened your eyes to wholesaling? Like, how did you find out that like, that was even a thing? Funny enough, I kind of like most people I heard about what wholesaling is, but when you see wholesaling like online and these people are just making like $40,000 for flipping like a piece of paper, they're putting these fixers under contract and then assigning those purchase and sale agreements to flippers for a fee. And then they get paid at closing. Right. I was like, that doesn't really make sense. I'm not going to try to learn that on my own, but kind of fell out of heaven. I'm happened to meet this guy as I was working as an agent who was a big wholesaler and he saw what I was doing. He heard me doing my scripts for sellers on cold calling. And he was like, you should be looking for wholesales. You should be looking for distressed properties. Like, you know how to talk to sellers. You should shift that not for listing nice houses, but for flipping old fixer houses. So I kind of was just kind of like, okay, well, let me try. I set a couple appointments. I brought the guy along. 30 days later, we closed the wholesale. And once I got that check for a wholesale, I was like, all right, no more listings. I want to dive full into wholesaling. And so now my business is focused on finding wholesale. If it's not a wholesale, then I can list it as a realtor. And Vena, do you have anybody who works for you now? Um, I actually started my team early on in my real estate career. It just so happened that some you know, kids I knew from high school, they were watching my Instagram stories and they were like, hey, <laughs> you look like you're making a lot of money. I want to get in on this. And so I started out just, you know, I showed them how to cold call and then I'd pay them a little something if they got an appointment and they loved it. So, you know, that actually took a lot of it off me to not have to cold call because that's something agents are so scared of. I love it now and I got really good at it and I had to, to be able to train them. I've got currently a team of about eight people who are straight just prospecting for sellers here in Seattle. And so our split is once they find a deal, then if it's a wholesale, we'll do it 50-50. Wow. That's really, I mean, it is tremendous. The All of the things that you are like hitting on, it's a lot of buzzwords, right? But like at 22, you found leverage, right? You have a path to financial freedom. Um, you mentioned Burr, right? <laughs> you know, um, which I think a lot, a lot of, a lot of investors are familiar with, but a lot of agents are not. Yep. So that's a really like you went very quickly from agent to investor. Like that mindset switch happened really fast. And I still work with a lot of agents who are twenty years into their career and they don't own a single investment property. Yeah. So super. Um, what was that? What was that kind of like spark where you were like, "Hey, I I don't want to be always in a sales position. I really want to own real estate." I've always been a person who I want to give myself the most options out of life, and yeah. so I've always researched from when I was in high school how to be able to stop working, how to create passive income, how to create long term wealth. And luckily, I stumbled upon it was a couple of years in, but I stumbled upon Thatch Wins coaching program and his whole thing is on buying rental property. So I'm super dialed in with them, springboard to wealth. In general, it was always about how can I use my money 
to basically work less in the future, right? To not have mm-hmm. to work. And I stumbled upon house hacking, which is you just you get a low down payment loan, conventional or FHA loan, and you buy a single family or a multifamily. You rent the rooms or the other units to keep your costs low. And then that's something you can redo over and over every year because uh, the FHA loan allows you to buy a new one every year. Um, and so I started with that. And then I saw Burr. And in with Burr's strategy of investing, you can buy a fixer property, fix it up, later refinance all your money back because the house is at a new value and then go repeat over and over again, right? And so for me, I was like, well, I can just make the money one time and then keep flipping properties and keeping them as rentals. So a lot of it is like, how can I make this as easy as possible with the least amount of work and get myself or put myself in a position where I don't need to work for money? Well, and one of the things I've heard like in several dis- different aspects of you know, like how you built your career and, and your business um, is like coaching. Um, like I'm hearing a lot of books that, that you've read to invest in yourself. Um, can you maybe talk about coaching a little bit and, you know, where did, did you start coaching like from day one? Like, are you you're getting coaching today? Like, what has that progression looked like for you? Yeah, 100%. Overall, I totally believe in, you know, working on your mindset, working on your skills. You can never know enough. I think if you think you know it all, then your ego is too big. But I hired my first real estate coach after my first year, after I made the hundred grand, I was like, okay, well, I made the money. I had been to a bunch of real estate events. And so I knew coaching worked. And then my dad, who's a realtor has been in coaching for 20 years. So it kind of made sense. And so I hired my first coach. I was like, okay, I made this money. If I hire a coach, I could probably triple my income the next year. And it did. Mm-hmm. So uh, that proved the concept. And ever since then, I was like, all right, coaching works, right? And the big thing of it all is, you know, I'm 22. I've made over a million dollars in real estate, you know, in my career now. And I probably wouldn't have done it if I was making all the mistakes that I paid these coaches to teach me not to make, right? Yeah. So it's all about accelerating and just putting yourself in that position where you're mitigating your mistakes because you're listening and being coachable and taking action on the things that your coaches are telling you, because you could pay for coaching and then just not use it. Right. And then you're going to just complain and say it's useless and blah, blah, blah. But if you are taking the advice of your coach that you're paying for, right. Then, uh, (laughs) you know, there's no way it doesn't work. It's just period. And have you had the same coach or have you gone through multiple coaches? I have had the same real estate coach, Patrick Ferry, since tw- since late 2020. We're still kicking it. And then Thatch, I've been with since 2021. I like to keep it simple. Um, you know, I totally support people. If your coach isn't working for you, totally change. But I mm-hmm. think I was really good at picking in the first place. I interviewed like four coaches before I picked Patrick. And then, of course, I'd seen Thatch on social media. And so I knew that kind of the messages aligned. That's really cool. Also, I mean, your story is you are like a perfect case study for social media, right? Social media use. And a lot of it is sounds like you're just very authentically sharing your journey. Oh, 100%. Yeah. When I was new or after my first year, when I started posting on TikTok, that's when I started growing my following because I was just being super transparent about what I did to make the money, how much I made. You know, it's not something people always talk about. I was like, I'm 18. I made this money. Here's how you can do it too. And people just ate it up. <laughs> that's awesome. 
Well, you're, you're pretty specific about like who your target audience is too, which I love. Like you're not speaking to, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like when I look at your stuff, it's like, you're not speaking to everyone. Like you're speaking to your peers, like the people that look up to you and want to recreate like what you've done. Yeah. 100%. My whole thing is empowering Gen Z to build wealth in real estate. Cause I am 100% privileged to have grown up in a household that taught me that you should create passive income and you need long-term wealth and here's how money works. And so I've used that to teach my generation because a lot of people think Gen Z is freaked, right? Screwed for the <laughs> long term, for the long run. So um, every day, like people ask me, how do you come up with ideas for your content? And I just think about what does my generation know, or sorry, not know about money and real estate that they need to know. And I haven't run out of ideas yet. <laughs> And you probably never will because you're you're in such a learning mindset yeah. constantly. That's really cool. So looking at your your team that you're leading now, um, like like what what does your day look like? So when you I mean you got wholesaling, like you're still like involved in like you know regular, for lack of a better term, real estate sales, like leading your team. Like how do you uh, content creation? I'm sure is another big piece of it. Like how do you manage to get all of that done um, in 24 hours a day and somehow sleep? That's the question. Um, a typical day in the life, I suppose. Um, my time is split up about 60% real estate and 40% training the team and social media. Mm-hmm. So I'm still in production. I'm still going on seller appointments. I go on the appointments with my team when they need me. I go on my own appointments from my own prospecting, my own marketing. Um, that's where most of my money is right now. Still it's in wholesaling and working retail buyers and sellers. And then the rest of the time I do YouTube, I do TikTok, I do Instagram, uh, Facebook shorts even. And so um, it's in the planning, right? I just got my little planner and I plan the whole week on Sunday, Monday, just so I know I get everything done. I usually, um, I try to change it. I've been reading a 12 week year and uh, says that you should get, you shouldn't be reading emails in the morning and things like that. You should be doing the most important thing before noon. So I'm shifting to that. But uh, right now I'm like in the office in the morning, I'm supporting the team, I'm doing videos. And then afternoon is when I'm prospecting, going on appointments, stuff like that. For your sort of content production, video production, do you have anybody else involved in that piece of it yep, to like help you get a- stuff out? Yes. So I have a team who does all my editing and most of my filming. So I film twice a month and then Michael just takes it and edits it, cuts it up, posts it. So I'm pretty hands off on the back end of social media, but I I wouldn't, you know, if it wasn't making me money. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, that's massive amounts of leverage, you know, obviously Jordan and I don't have your reach on social media. But even for our podcast, right? Like if it was if it was left up to us to do the editing yeah. and the production, it wouldn't get done. Right. So it's um I'm just I'm still just amazed as you're talking about you have not seems like thought yourself out of solutions, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, it's simple. Like if these other people will do it, I read this book, I have this coach, they say to do this, I'm gonna do it. And I think a lot of folks, especially at your age all sorts of people at, at every stage of their career, they just lack the confidence to go and do it because they think themselves out of it. 100%. I love that. Yeah. Either they think themselves out of it. They have limiting beliefs. I think that's like the biggest one or they get analysis paralysis. I need to be ready before I get ready. Right. And I think 
you know, it's kind of a pet peeve of mine because people I've trained a bunch of people, like they'll come in for training for two or three days and then they just go. Right. And it's just such a waste of time. So I've definitely uh, edited my interview process, but <laughs> 100% people let their limiting beliefs hold them back. And that's why most of America's broke, to be honest, right? It's just, it is kind of what it is. And most people, it's just a lack of information. But for a lot of people, it's a lack of action. And so how do we get over that? Uh, you need a really strong why and you need a really strong purpose. A lot of people don't know what they want out of life, I think is kind of where it begins. And so if they don't feel like they have a purpose, then there's nothing to work toward. Yeah, I think the the excuse of like not having access to like the correct information like can't really be an excuse anymore. It's 2023. It's all out there. Yeah, like it's there. there there's no secrets. So now it's just okay, like you have the knowledge, like are you going to take that action? Cuz like I mean the, the knowledge without the action it's it's worthless essentially. One one of the other things I think it wouldn't be bad to even just like take a step back like for some of our listeners um and like we've been talking about wholesaling can you even just like take us back to like the basics of like what is wholesaling? Like if, if this is like, if it speak to like the new agent that's listening um, to our podcast right now, they've been in for a year, like they've kind of heard of this wholesaling thing, like mechanically, like how does that work? Yeah. So off-market wholesaling is when you find a fixer property. It's not listed on the MLS yet. You meet a seller who's ready to sell, right? You are making a contract with them for a certain price, let's say 400000 their house is in need of a lot of work. They don't want to go on market. They hate realtors for whatever reason. They would prefer to not go on market. So I write a contract with them for 400000 Then I turn around and I say, hey, flippers, hey, network of investors, I've got this deal available for 450000 It's a good deal for you because it's going to be worth 800000 when it's done. So uh, then I bring one or two flippers through who are vetted and my cash buyers And then when they like it, I sign an assignment contract with them to buy that purchase and sale, essentially. And so the flipper closes on the house. I've assigned my right to purchase it to the flipper. So Mm -hmm. they bring the money to the escrow. And then escrow, you know, does their thing, transfers the funds, gets them signed. And I am the third party and I get an assignment fee when the flipper closes on the house. So in this case, I put under contract for 400, I sold it for 450, I have a $50,000 assignment fee. And I can do that because I know my numbers and I got the property low enough where the flipper is still going to make money on this deal. So seller is happy, buyer is happy, I'm happy, right? And so the difference between being a flipper and an agent is an agent, you're pretty fixed on a percentage commission. Mm -hmm. But as a wholesaler, you know, you're not always getting amazing fees. But the point is that it's uncapped. And so if you get the property low enough, you can make more on a $400,000 fixer than agents make on a $4 million house. I've done it. (laughs) (laughs) So is that, and um, your assignment fee, that assignment fee, if you're an agent, does that run through the brokerage or is that like a totally separate revenue stream for you? For me personally, it's separate. It doesn't run through the brokerage. You do have to disclose or I have to disclose that I'm an agent in the Mm -hmm. contract so that they know. And, you know, if you're a licensed realtor wholesaler, then you are held to a higher standard, of course, of all of our ethics and guidelines we've got. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of a tool that I use with sellers. I'm like, Hey, I'm a licensed realtor. I legally can't lie to you. So yes, it does depend on the brokerage though. Some brokerages will take a cut. Some brokerages don't allow it. So. Interesting. That's really interesting because it's, I think it's, um, I think what you're trying, what you're doing is sort of broadening for our listeners like 
there are more than there's more than just one way to make money in real estate. And I think it's a it's ironic, sort of an oxymoron, but so many agents only see one way to make money in real estate. And then when you try and lead them anyplace else, they're like, no, no, no. I'm just that's too complex. That's too complicated, or you know, that's scary. Well, I totally support doing what works. You know, if you have a good way to make money in real estate, keep pumping that. But I would even say that there's, you know, from the way I see it is that sometimes there's too many ways to make money in real estate where people who are new, which are the people I'm talking to every day who are messaging me every day, they're like seeing all these different things. They're seeing Airbnb arbitrage, they're seeing syndication, they're seeing wholesaling, they're seeing sub two, and they don't even know what to land on. And so there's kind of like, um, I think that's also kind of false under analysis paralysis where there's so many different things. You can't just pick one. So what's your advice to them? Right. When they're like, Hey, I'm thinking about, I see all this opportunity in front of me. Like, how do you, how would you, if you were starting over, like what would talking to yourself, what would you say like to pick one? Yeah. If I was starting over and I was seeing all these options, usually my advice is just pick one, try it for 90 days and see if you like it or not. But I think really, if I was talking to myself when I was new, I would say just go towards the one that's going to make you the most money in the least amount of time. Sub two, everything's got a barrier of entry. Sub two, you have to learn wholesaling, you have to learn Airbnb, you have to learn. But if you are in a position where there's coaching available to you or the resources or you're following someone on social media who makes it look really simple, just go try it, go after it and the name of the game is making money so that you can invest in real estate Like at the end of the day or invest in something that's going to make you a return. Because if you make the money and you blow it, I've trained people who made the money. I told them to buy real estate and then they went and blew it. And then they were back to square one. You worked hard all that one year, two year, whatever to make that money. And now it's gone. Come on. Because you wanted to go to Vegas. Yeah. Keep a plan in mind and then just put your head down and focus on the thing that's making you money. Yeah. So, and Vanny, you're, you're over in the, like the Seattle area market, you know, with interest rates being where they're at this year, you know, we've seen like people get a little bit more sticky, um, not wanting to move. Um, have you seen like a pretty high correlation between like the number of transactions available for like regular, you know, like someone just moving and wanting to list their house with an agent versus on the wholesale side of things are both of those like equally a little bit down this year or what, what does that look like? Um, from what I'm seeing, the markets are both markets are fairly down, you know, with interest rates at 7%. How is a seller going to say goodbye to a 3% rate that they've got? Yeah. Right. So I'm kind of hearing the same objections on both sides is whether they're listing or wholesaling. It's, you know, I would move, but where would I go? Or I would sell, but where would I go? And so that's something, you know, it's an objection. That's something yeah. we work through with our sellers. But I would say that both are down and it's just a matter of working harder and doubling down on marketing to keep keep the money coming in. And market cycles are a real thing. It's it's okay. acknowledging that. Um, like it's not going to be like this forever. And I would argue, you know, the agents that make it through this and get to that other side, there's going to be that mm-hmm. many more transactions available um, when those that have dropped out aren't there anymore. I don't know what's going on in Spokane, but here in Seattle, we've got multiple offers because inventory is so low and mm. investors know that this is the bottom of the market and this is the time because screw the interest rate. The prices are going to be 8 to 10% more next year. When it comes down. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's just like a real, I'm so 
I'm on the East Coast. I'm in the DC market. And there is just this real severe lack of inventory. And sort of an interesting trend, I don't know if you guys are seeing in your markets, is um, lots and lots and lots of rentals coming yeah. on. So <laughs> might be might be a good time if, you know, if, if you're a young person listening to this, like think about property management potentially. Mm-hmm. It's all, that is a, that's a real like systems automation, customer service oriented business, but there are a lot of people who are listing their properties for rent. There's, there are ways to make money, lots of ways to make money in real estate. Like we've been talking about property management seems to be like right now, if I were getting into it, almost, almost a clear lane. One of the the questions that we always like to wrap up every podcast with um, is what's possible now. Um, so like you've built your your business, um, you've built your team, you've gone into wholesaling, you've done all these um, ways to find success to get you to where you are today. Uh, f- from where you are now, what's the future look like for you? Wow, what a great question. Oh my gosh, I'm excited <laughs> about the future. For me personally, if it went perfectly, I would love to be hands off on my wholesale side, just have a team running the wholesale business and then expanding on my influencer side and um, just getting into that. So really the goal is to have $30,000 a month in passive income for rental property by 25 years old. Mm-hmm. So that's in three years. And that's only going to take me to maybe three more properties here in Seattle. And then I'm going to go travel the world. I'm going to make my videos and... Mm-hmm then, you know, who knows what's next 10 years, probably have a family would be nice someday. And then just give back to the community. That's pretty important to me is working education, helping kids, empowering my generation to level up and get to the top and, you know, carry on the world, (laughs) whatever I can do to be a part of that. I love it. You're so inspiring. Um, Thank you so much for coming on today, sharing your story. I learned a ton. Um, I know everyone else did too. Oh, thank you so much, you guys. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you, Vena. Have a good one. Thanks, Vena. Hey. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.